Okay, so welcome listeners to a, another side quest. I'm, I haven't looked up the number. I apologize. I'm sure um, we can get that on the description for you, though. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bunch at this point, though, and, and I'm joined again by Ben. He's here with me. Alex is not, but that's okay. He's here in spirit. How's it going, Ben? It's going all right, Wes. How are you? Good. Great. Uh, we we're just saying we've got uh, an exotic locale for you all today. <laughs> we are we are at the uh, the very not uh, desirable vacation spot of <laughs> on a graveyard this this time around. Uh, so from the Great Bay to the graveyard, um, a little different vibe to things, uh, perhaps. Uh, so maybe we could just start with like uh, you, you told us, I think, at the end of the last show to to just spend some time in the graveyard and, and hang out and talk to people. Um, uh, what, what in particular did you have in mind for us to notice about the graveyard? Because uh, it, it's, it's, it's a spooky place. It is. And one of the things that always, always strikes me about Akana is um, it's got a rich, deep history that you only see a little bit of. Yeah. Um, I mean, in Ocarina of Time, you get glimpses of what the past looks like, both in the Shadow Temple and some of the other places. But for the most part, it stays current. Like the, the, the story you want to know is the story you are living. You yeah. are the hero. You are saving the world. That's what's important here. Um, but Termina Termina is always at the end um, we only see Termina at its conclusion like this is the, the pivotal moment will they live or will they die um, and the setup for that like the reason why they're in this position is only revealed even in glimpses in Akana um, and the, the graveyard is the, sort of the first taste we get of Akana's world and the sort of complex mm-hmm interactions that are going on between the different factions um and the the first one that we interact with are these skeletons the stalfos <laughs> or rather the stal children because we don't i don't think we meet any real stalfos until we get to the castle huh. um which is weird because they're they're fairly common enemies uh throughout zelda and especially in ocarina of time like as soon as you become an adult you start fighting stalfos yeah. in the forest temple um but importantly, and you know, this is going to be something we see throughout Akana, what we would normally consider enemies, Stalfos, Stal children, um, the Gibdos, the mummies, um, mm-hmm. the, all of these undead figures are as easily turned into allies as they are enemies. Um, you, you talk to them, you interact with them, wearing the right mask, you can even command them in some cases. Um, and that yields some really interesting depth. Like, I mean, it's so atypical of a Zelda game to have the undead kind of work with you, be on your side, um, <laughs> in the same way that the Zoras or the Gorons or you know the old allies that you constantly find in game after game after game. Um, yeah. And okay. yeah, no, I, I noticed that too. That that there's not a new mask yet. Um, and, and so instead you get these, well, you do get masks, but they don't fully transform you. They just, they just make you enough like them so that they'll talk to you or at least not attack you. Right. Right. Right away. Of course the, the ninjas, uh, the Garo, they're, they're able to see through your disguise after a moment. And so you do have to fight them, but they at least like respect you enough to, to tell you something afterwards. Right. Uh, yeah. all children and the, 
and the mummies they they seem to be completely deceived right by your by your, your the mask on your face as if you were a, a character in a Shakespeare play or something right? like right and it even yields uh, some, convincing <laughs> yeah and it even yields some comical results like when you wear the if you wear the commander Akita mask the skeleton mask mm-hmm. when you go to Akana Castle and talk to like the big Stalfos guys who are in charge there's this great moment where the king will like get close to you and then he's like, wait, Commander Kita, is that you? And he's like, but you're so small. <laughs> um, and he like does this little dance thing and it interrupts the middle of this really intense fight and he just like panics because he thought that you were Commander Kita, but you don't look like Commander Kita because you're too small for Commander Kita because you fight Commander Kita and he's gigantic. He's like 12 feet tall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Only way to attack him is to like harry his heels, um, <laughs> and then you meet this guy, and he seriously thinks you're him, even though you were, you know, four and a half feet tall. Um, and it's just hilarious. Like it's silly, and it's yeah. it's such a weird tone in Akana because it yeah. is dark and it's grim and it's even morbid and and frightening at times but there's this undercurrent of silliness this absurdity to all of these characters and everything that's going on here um it's weird and very striking i think like it's such an interesting setting um which is why i love it so much i insisted on on being here for your Akana discussion this is why (laughs) yes well so you've mentioned a few things i guess the element of the history that you get a sense of the element of the silly mixed with the sort of dark and serious gloomy thing. I, I, I'm getting, okay, I'm seeing why maybe this appeals to you, this part of it. Uh, <laughs> there's also, I, I mean, it's also, you got to note that it's the final of the four areas that you can really get to explore. Um, mm. You can sort of visit it up front once you have the hook shot, I guess, um, and the mask. You, you need a mask to get in, which is kind yeah. of too. It's one. It's one of those. There are multiple locks to that door. Like yeah, you can't. Yeah. You can't get into the canyon without a pona. So you need the horse. Mm-hmm. You can't like unlock the tree to hook shot to unless you have the garrow mask. Mm-hmm. You can't. You need the hook shot to actually get up to the tree. And then once you've reached the next level of the canyon, it's another cliff, and you would need the ice arrows to get yeah. over the octorox. And I mean, it's just barrier after barrier after barrier, making sure that you've checked all those boxes in order to get to this place um so it is very much cut off from the rest of the game very much protected yeah and and there are some i I feel like these are some of the biggest um leaps so to speak uh the heaviest lifts also like it, it seems like a more difficult area there's more enemies surrounding you they're a little more difficult to deal with that that fight with the um commander took me a number of tries because it was like very frustrating he's got all these little gates of fire you have to watch out for and he sort of summons little skeletons to fight like he, he's annoying and he's fast uh yeah. but is that possible is that fight possible to do without the um uh the hook shot to get over there can you get over to that treasure chest another way or do you have to have the hook shot for that too uh i th- i think you can jump over like if you roll at it or get enough speed um I'm not sure. I, I didn't try it before I got the hook shot this time around. Right. Um, but I think you can pull it off. It, it's not 
terribly easy. The fight is not easy. Um, It's almost like a race plus a fight, you know? Yeah. And every time that, you know, you actually score a hit against him, he immediately like drops enemies to slow you down and keeps on moving. Um, But I, I forget what it is that you have to do. Like, I think if you hit him, if you hit him with an arrow, it stuns him or slows him down. And then if you actually get, him with your sword he turns and fights you and now it's a fight right um and even then like just again from that size difference like 12 feet tall commander kita versus four foot you it's clear that you're very outclassed in that fight Mm. um in a way that you aren't in this game unless it's a boss fight um like i think he's even bigger than a dalwa the first the first boss in the in the deku temple Right. Um, he's he's scary, and this is this isn't you know the final fight in this area. This is the first fight, like the first introduction you have to Akana. Yeah. Um, like in order to open the graves, in order to get things moving, you've got to fight this guy um, because he's blocking the one grave that'll let you cleanse Akana Canyon. Um, that that so purifying we've seen before, but it's it's a bit more. I don't know, immediate in this case, um, there, there's like, a, uh, it's personal in, in a weird way, right? Because you're not embodying someone else in, in that moment uh, of, of being able to cleanse the area. Um, you are sort of conveying a message, right? Uh, mm-hmm. In the form of that song between the brothers. Yeah, that's, that's a strange, so that's a, another one of these things that gets picked up from the other game, right? But right. It, I think it, it gets a lot more kind of moral overtones this time around. I feel like uh, where you have the good brother who was sort of honorable and loyal. And then you have the evil brother, right? Who like sold his soul, but he, mm-hmm. cause he thought he was going to going to win a battle that had already been lost or, or something like that. Right. There's- yeah. Which is something that they allude to fairly frequently in this area that there, there was a battle and it's already lost. And, and it's not even like a faction thing, like somebody won. No, everybody lost. <laughs> Literally everyone in Akana is dead. Yeah. Um, with, you know, the exception of like the thief and a couple of monsters here and there and the creepy guy with the glowing eye. Um, and even him, you're not entirely sure what his deal is. <laughs> like he could be dead, he could be alive, he disappears mysteriously from time to time. Yeah. It's really not sure what his, what his situation is. But between the Gibdos and the Stalfos and the Stal children, between the ghosts and, you know, the other few characters that you interact with, it's very clear that this is the site of death on a broad scale and pointless death at that. Like, not death for a cause, the way that we saw Darunia or uh, Mikau, the, the Goron and Zora mask, die. Now, this is, this is a death with that just leaves an imprint because there's, there's no reason for it. There is no satisfaction. There's no, you play the song of healing and everything's good again. Um, as much as you try and purify Akana, it will never rest. Yeah. Right. And, and it seems like there's a, there's a playfulness to that. Of course, with the skeleton children in the graveyard, they're always sort of like swinging from the tree and, mm-hmm. and having little campfires together. And, um, but at the same time, they're they're doing their duty, right? They're they're sort of yeah. like guarding and waiting for your return. Um, uh, they seem surprised to see you, but also like you know, sort of excited, like you you give them a purpose for this right. job they've been doing. 
Um, and, and those ones, you, you do meet a few down at the, the Great Base uh, uh, Skaltola house too, right? Mm-hmm. And those ones too have been like doing a job for you. They, they've yeah. been investigating the secrets, you know, almost like you, you know, investigating secrets everywhere you go. Um, so there, there's something weird going on there where, yeah, and, and the one hand, the battle's lost, everything's, you know, turned to dust and, and decay and death. On the other hand, there's a, there's a playfulness there and a, uh, and a, and a purpose, you know, that there is yeah. some reason for it all. Um, it, it's strange, though. Yeah, it's almost like, I mean, I'm kind of like torn between our interpretations of play here. Because on the one hand, like, you definitely get this, this vibe, this idea that, you know, these are undead soldiers in the middle of this conflict that ended long ago, and yet they're stuck in it all the same. And, you know, that kind of reminds you of, like, in Lord of the Rings where um, Aragorn has to go through the paths of the dead and recruit all of those cursed soldiers to his cause. Um, and it has this sort of looming, oppressive sense to it. But at the same time, they are kind of just playing. Like, there's no point to what they're doing, so it doesn't matter that they're, you know, screwing around or swinging from trees or not doing it for that matter. Um, And in fact, when you confront them, when they're like marching around the grave in a circle and you're like, open the grave, they're like, wait, open it? Are you sure? (laughs) I mean, why would we do that? Not even just like questioning orders, but like they're, they are themselves concerned about this course of action. Like why are things changing? Um, Why aren't we just, you know, milling around in circles anymore? Why, why are you interrupting the sort of static, pointless, absurd, playful <laughs> situation that we're in, in turn to like do something. Um, yeah. Well that, so there's a couple things I think about with that. Um, in all the Zelda games, there's something important buried in the graveyard, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in most of the games, it's you, uh, once you have a certain item or ability, you are the one who's able to move the graves aside. You push them or pull them or, or do whatever, you dig, whatever. Right, um, run into them real fast uh, <laughs> with the penguins. Right. But in this game, in this game, you can't open the way down. Um, no matter what you do to the graves, they won't budge. But you can uh, have these these little guys open it for you. Um, that's weird. The other weird thing this makes me think of, actually, is a historical context kind of thing. It's you know, it's this um, this anecdote that you hear of the. Um, the Japanese soldiers who were so isolated on some island in the Pacific that they never heard that the war was over, right? They were still, you know, fighting the war after the surrender, um, after the atomic bombs, which of course they didn't know about either, right? So they're, right. they're weird, you know, haunting. It, it's beyond haunting. It, it's it's just like, you know, um, it's paralyzing. This this yeah. this element of of dedication to a lost cause. Um, which I think has got to at least be implicit there um, from, from the Japanese. Absolutely. Of it. Um, but so there, there's something about, you know, opening the grave, which is unthinkable and yet the only way forward. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's giving me goosebumps as I try to process what's going on there. Yeah. It's unsettling. Um, and, and what you find in the graves is also unsettling. Like, the the first night that you do it, it's it's the one brother who teaches you the song of storms, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that itself is like loaded in the way that it works. 
um, because this has a parallel in Ocarina of Time. In fact, it has two parallels in Ocarina of Time. Um, because on the one hand, there is a point in Ocarina of Time where you bust open a grave and you go down, there's a ghost and it teaches you a song, but it's not the song of storms, it's the sun's song. Oh yeah, the sun, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and with the sun's song, no matter where you are, um, it'll shoot a beam of light into the room and it will paralyze all of the scary re-dead monsters, yeah. it'll change dark or night to to morning, morning to night, depending on where you are and if you're above ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a valuable power, but it's also completely optional. You don't need to, to get it to beat the game. Hmm. Um, it's really helpful um, in a lot of situations, but you know you could just be in the right place at the right time in almost every situation. Um, but while that's the, what the song that the ghost teaches you in Ocarina, here it teaches you the song of storms. Yeah. Um, and it has a similar relation. Like the way that it works in the game is comparable to the sun song. Like it, it stops the other brother because it wakes him up, like rec- makes him recognize that he's doing something wrong. Yeah. But it isn't a weapon like the sun song is. It's just a reminder. It's rain. It's harmless in this case. Um, and I think this is literally the only time that you use the song in Majora's Mask. Um, like, I don't even think it has the secondary function of summoning fairies, though I could be wrong about that. Um, like, in Ocarina of Time, you use it to open holes, you use it to summon fairies. There are a couple of different reasons why you would need it, besides, like, the one specific case where you, like, use it to make the windmill go faster and it allows you to get into the well. Um <laughs> But here, it's literally just the one case. It's literally just a message, and that's it. And that's the sum total of the sun, of the Song of Storms' purpose. But you still need it to progress. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's it's a message from one brother to the other. Um, it's a uh, a kind of poetic message, right? It's like he says something mm-hmm. about how you know the, the 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 storms, the rain is his tears yeah um, and and so every time you play the game the second day it rains right mm-hmm. like that sort of becomes even more ominous <laughs> uh but there's also this kind of um a weird echo thing going on yeah because of course you it's it's one of the more like earwormish songs too like you can't mm-hmm. get it out of your head once you start to think of it right um and it's it's there very early isn't it the um the accordion player guy the the or the barrel organ or organ grinder or whatever mm-hmm. he's called uh, yeah he, isn't he playing it still um yeah uh, he, he's the guy it? playing it in ocarina and he's the guy playing it here so you can hear the song as early as like the first the first physical day you play the game yeah. you can wander over to his area as the deku scrub and hear him playing it huh but it doesn't do anything there that's that's interesting yeah, he doesn't teach it to you, which, you know, the first time I played Majora's Mask, I was like, dude, teach me the this, this Song of Storms. That's obviously your job. And, you know, that's not what he does. That's not his his purpose. Yeah, that's so strange. So it's it's a weird um, kind of like hiding in plain sight sort of thing. Um, and, and it is interesting how um, once you are in that battle with the, the evil brother, um, mm-hmm. there's a way that that fight echoes the very first boss battle with uh, Skull Kid, um, Majora's Mask Wearer, right at the top, because you, you end the fight by, by playing a song, essentially, yeah. right? Um, so it's, a, it's another one of those kind of echoes as well. And I think he even says something about how, like, that, that Skull Kid, 
you know, he tricked us, he, he messed things up again or, or something. Someone in there says something about that. Yeah, he definitely posits that it's the Skull Kid who sort of woke him up to, uh-huh. to messing around. Uh-huh. Um, so once again, we see Majora's Mask and the Skull Kid being responsible for the corruption of the area that we're in, in the same uh-huh. way that you sort of see him behind the scenes messing with all of the areas. Like he is, whether directly or indirectly, indirectly responsible for everything that's going on that's evil um so he is the corrupting force but he's not the only corrupting force in this one like his 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 reach is immediate but you know even after you reverse this effect which is fairly early like you get the the stream flowing and the music box house plays and it's (laughs) like okay we've restored akana to whatever was going on but it's not done yet like yeah. things are still not right in Akana just through that one thing that you do. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no, there's no obvious hints about really what to do next. I feel like you, you can sort of mosey on over to the house and, and figure out a way to, to, um, to sneak in. I, I, right. And then, yeah, that's, that's a whole weird. So you're inside of a music box that that's mm-hmm. odd. Um, in a game which is you know so so driven by music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the story there seems to be right that they're like sort of researching um, what's going on and and trying to like heal the um, the the sickness of these people and 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 study the undead and, and make friends with them basically, right? Like um, it's yeah, it's tough to tell. Like you don't get a whole lot of information. You just get these little shots here. It seems that they're there to study the undead, but it's also fairly clear that the only reason they are safe is because the music box keeps playing. Uh-huh. Um, Cause you'll notice like as soon as you, as, when you meet the brother, when you play the song of storms, there's this whole protracted cutscene that takes yeah. place. Yeah. Like one of the longest in the game. Hmm. Um, and you know, the, the spring where that's been corrupted fills up with water. It turns into this stream that passes through the whole of Akana. It, turns the water wheel on the music box. You literally see this happening play by play. And then it's just this long, like two or three minutes of the music box playing and you're watching the undead, like the re-dead mummy guys around the music box clutch their heads and scream oh, yeah. and pulled into the ground. And this, yeah. and it, like the game does not mess around with this. Like the sky turns dark and it takes on all these Dutch angles that are really unsettling. <laughs> like the ground turns purple and blue. Like the whole thing is terrifying. Yeah. Um, and then it's gone and it's over. Yeah. And the last thing you see in the cutscene is the doorknob turn. Like you can't see it because you know the resolution isn't great, but you like they play the doorknob sound effect as yeah. you, it zooms in really closely on the knob. So it, that's the closest thing you get to a hint of where you're supposed to go next. But again, you've got like you're just at every step of the way you're introduced to sort of the weird mechanics of this world um, of how you know music is fighting these monsters but you almost feel bad for them because they're staged as being victims in this situation, even though they're monsters and you know that they're haunting, you know, this, this house and they're obviously something you want to avoid because they're frightening. Oh, they're the worst. They're the worst. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They do the shriek thing and then you paralyze, they jump on your head. Like it's the, they're terrifying. You know, from Ocarina, if you've played it, you want to give those guys a really wide berth. Yeah. Um, and even if you hadn't, 
you know, it takes one go with them, and you're like, okay, I am not messing with those guys anymore. Yeah, um, so they, they disappear under the ground. Are those supposed to be the same ones that are, are in the well thereafter that you, you go and talk to and, and, you know, play the long give item game with? Yeah, it's hard It's hard to say. I mean, I, it's kind of hard to, po- to posit that it's like the same group. Okay. Um, like, the, like the ones that you meet later and give items to are the same ones that got pulled under the ground earlier because, yeah. you know, the ones under the ground seem to be perfectly chill about the situation. That's they're true. not, they they're not upset. You don't have to even fight them. If you, if you're wearing any of the masks that have to do with the undead area, yeah. um, they, they tend to be pretty chill. Like they do the little scream thing, which is unsettling, but it's almost like that's getting in their own way. Like they frequently stammer through their requests and they're often cryptic and you don't even understand what it is. Like, one of them will ask for bombs and it'll be like, I want 10 refreshing blasts. And you're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, so yeah, there's, it's kind of hard for me to see that it's like the same guys who were walking around the house who are now down there. Although it seems like they're like a splinter of that group, you know, like part of the corruption in the Kana part of when the stream went dry is now they're wandering out of the well and harassing people on the surface where it used to be that they couldn't do that because the music was playing. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, it's like, yeah, the, the, the horror that overtakes them seems to be that they're sent back under, but, but they don't get to be anywhere. You know, they, they're sort of removed from the, the, the board. Um, yeah. They, they, they see neither the sun nor the refreshing blasts any longer. <laughs> right. Yeah. They have nothing, just mm-hmm. ob- oblivion, which, yeah. which on the one hand, you know, we say that and it sounds grim and dark and morbid, but on the other hand, they are dead. That's where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that, that, that masked um, fisherman guy with the one glowing eye, he seems to say as much too, right? Like the, the spirits of the dead, you know, are supposed to be resting, but aren't, or, or, or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, and again, like, the, the game stages this as you're supposed to be sympathetic to them, even as you realize that they are enemies, they are dangerous. And worse, once you actually get into the music box house and you see what's happened, um, yeah. like, you, you see the researcher who is, like, half zombie, and he, like, stumbles out of the closet, and he's doing, like, this twisted groan that's like half scream and half crying out for help and you know then you it's the one time in Akana where you're actually in sort of like encouraged to play the song of healing like Tadil makes it pretty clear um, if you haven't picked up on it and then the mask drops off right um, you'd expect this to be your transformation right now you're going to turn into a mummy right but right it isn't and yeah it's it's odd I mean you could almost expect to turn into the um, composer too, right? Like maybe you're mm-hmm. supposed to play the song of healing for him until you see that that just means you're going to die because <laughs> you cannot yeah. win the fight, right? It's, it's, it's an interesting uh, thing where it plays with your expectations. And uh, to jump ahead a little bit, I mean, the mask mm-hmm. that you do get here that, that duplicates you or whatever, or it's a song, I guess, that duplicates Link, right. it's the lamest one by far of the transformations. <laughs> I mean, it's way underwhelming. Like, anything would be better than that. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So, so there's, there's something, yeah, something odd going on where it's like, I guess sort of the, the game's way of telling you, like you're coming towards the end here. You know, there's no, there's not that much more fun exploration that you're going to get to do here. You're, you're just going to have to grind uh, and yeah. 
and get through this thing. Yeah. And I mean, there is a lot going on in Akana. Like again, there's there's so many checkpoints to make. Like we talk about how Great Bay was sprawling and had all this stuff that you need to do with getting all the eggs together. But then you go to Akana and it's just, you know, first you got to do the graveyard and then you got to, you know, like talk to the, the brother and get the spring moving. And then you have to get the Gibdo mask from healing the guy in the music box house. And then you have to go through the well, which is itself a labyrinth of like mm. trying to pass the right item to the right guy. It's time consuming oh. and like pointlessly time consuming too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you get through that and you get the mirror shield and it's, Oh, well now we're in the castle. And you would think like, Oh, the castle must be the dungeon, but it's not. There's yet another layer and another layer after that, before you actually get to, you know, the stone tower temple, which is where the actual boss is lurking. Um, so that, that's such a weird, you can explore that area, but you can't, I guess you can't quite, uh, open the way right without, going through the whole castle sequence. Because um, you, you can sort of find it sort of by chance uh, if you're exploring a lot, but it's it's just kind of a dead end at first, the stone tower area. Yep. Um, I mean, every one of those is a dead end. Like you no, go right, into the yeah. castle and there's like a little hole in the wall and you can hear the new music, but you're blocked in because there's <laughs> that giant, you know, um, mirror shield block. Yeah. And, you know, you can go into the well, but unless you have the Gibdo mask, it's just a bunch of, dead that will attack you on site. Um, I'm starting to think this is almost like a, a, a bit of self-reference of like, this is what Zelda games are. When you get down to it, it's a matter of series of things you've got to do in a certain order, right, to mm-hmm. progress. And so if you just like look at what's going on in Ikana, you, you have exactly that, but it's, it's sort of that it's, I don't know, laid bare and, and made kind of twisted and deformed and icky, you know? It's like yeah, <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it as much as I do like you know going through all the colorful parts of the game and and, and getting to do the fun stuff. Um, and, and at the same time, like one of the things that I noticed, especially on this most recent playthrough, um, is that that stream that you get going, uh-huh. like the the spring that you that you purify and get moving, um, that's the source. Well, it's not the only source because like the river flows regardless of whether you get on the stream. Mm -hmm. But you'll notice like the stream flows down Akana's Canyon into the river that where the Octoroks hang out that you have to cross. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if you swim up river, you'll get into like that cave with the extra boss fights, which is just challenge for the end game. Um, But if you float down the river, you end up back at the swamp. Um, so kind of like um, if you go in Ocarina of Time, if you go through the Gerudo River that's like flowing through that huge canyon, if you just yeah. like fall down all the waterfalls, you'll end up back in Lake Hylia. Um, here it's kind of suggested that Ikana, while being the last area you visit, is kind of the source of everything that's going on in Termina. Oh, wow. Um, the between, yeah. Yeah. Um, and not just like the poison water, because that's clearly coming from the swamp temple, but just like the wrongness of everything that happens in Termina has its source in Akana. Um, first symbolically through this sort of water spring metaphor, but then when you start investigating the stone tower a little bit more closely, it becomes pretty clear that that's also a major factor 
in Termina's current situation. Right. Um, but that that is anticipating. So you know. Yeah. No. Save that for next. There, there's at least one more thing that uh, that you can do in the graveyard that we should uh, talk about before we close here. Um, yeah. Basically, you have to you know spend time or pastime with the the acceleration song one way or the other you've got to be there each of the three days or rather the nights mm -hmm. right to um get them to you can't get them to to open up more graves than one per day um and they'll be yep. doing different things each night and and yet if you do revisit it that's how you get some um really useful stuff right you get a piece of art yes. one of them and the third night you get a bottle if you can figure out the little digging game <laughs> Yeah, which is quite the puzzle in its own right. Yeah, um, I I was so I was so stumped because I was like, I know you got to dig one of these upstairs ones, but you, I guess you have to do it in a certain order or something because because it, it it allowed me to after I'd found a couple other ones. Uh, mm -hmm. But yes, yeah, so you find a big Poe down there, which is really a fun uh, sort of moment. But but poor Dompe, right? He he's just hiding under his bed and cowering. The you know this mm -hmm. like strong fearsome figure is is just rendered a gelatin by by the the fear of what he sees down there and it's also kind of significant that he's blind too like oh, yeah. he can only see so far and what makes that whole digging game so tedious is the fact that you can only go a little further a little <laughs> distance from him because he's relying on the light of your fairy to follow you to wherever you're trying to lead him um, so you can't just like stand at one of the one of the little digging places and be like, "Hey, over here!" You'd be like, "I don't know where you are." <laughs> so you can only walk like a couple steps ahead of him, and it's really easy to sort of walk a little bit too far, and he'll just like turn away and randomly walk in some I, other direction. Yeah, it it's very frustrating. There's also this the little you know lantern things which look like you know you should be able to do something with them, but but of course they they're just there as um, sort of places to hold flames or, or whatever mm -hmm. um, after you, you dig them up out of the ground. So it's, it's really weird. Like you're underground in this huge place and yet you're digging down more. Um, there's the thing about light, which you bring, yeah, you know, you bring your own light down there, but you also find this kind of eerie weir light that's buried in the earth, right? It, it's very strange. Um, and yet, and then of course you get a bottle out of it, right? The, the most precious thing precious biotary yeah. emptiness. Yeah. yeah. Huh. And the other element there is um, like the only way to get to that area is to have gone through the graves all three nights. Uh -huh. um, so like if you go the first night, it's the, it's the composer. If you go the second night for the first time, it's still the composer. Um, like ah. the first grave you open will always be the composer, which is, it's useful because you know that's the one you need to progress in the game. Right. But if you want that bottle, you got to show up all three nights. Huh. But what I find most interesting is even though that's the hardest one to get into, um, it's also someplace where Dompe already is. <laughs> yeah. um, like you, if you if you walk up the other exit to that room, you're just in Dompe's basement. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you can't get in it from that direction. So the only way you can get in is through this grave, which he apparently is already very familiar with. Um, He's been doing so some digging over the years. Apparently he is, you know, <laughs> grave digger slash archeologist um, and slash coward. So. <laughs> yeah. um, well, so it's, I think there's, you know, that, that door opening motif is pretty strong in this section too of, 
-hmm. You know, you, it zooms in for you on the music box house and, and Dompe's door you can never open from the outside. Um, but that's, that's also very much like the door uh, by the laundry uh, pool, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, I think it sort of echoes back to that as well. And, and of course, that's another thing that we'll have to do a, a long sequence of things in just the right order at just the right time in, in order right. to see it happen. Um, so it's like a little bit of training for that almost too. Huh. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. So uh, have, we, have we passed over anything that we should have probably mentioned at this stage of the game here, or shall we? The one it? thing okay. that I definitely want to return to, um, since we sort of got into talking about the music box house, like that's another one of those really emotional moments in this game. Um, yeah. Like up there with, you know, Cafe and Andrew's reunion and um, Kremia and Romani, or yeah, Kremia and Romani is sort of like sorting out what to do on the last night. Um, because you like first, in order to get into the house, you gotta trick the little girl. Yeah, it's not um, so good. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's a strange sort of situation at first. Like you see that door knob supposedly turn in the cutscene, and then if you're quick about it and clever, you can catch the girl. Like you don't, you can see her sort of looking at the river now that it's been restored, um, and she'll sit there and watch it. Um, and it, like while her back is turned, you can sneak into the house. But if she sees you, she's going to run into the house and she's going to lock the door. Right. Um, and this is sort of weird behavior just to start. Um, and then the only way to sort of like get her back out is you drop a bomb on her front porch. <laughs> right. um, and then she comes out to investigate the noise and then she starts looking at the river again. And then you have this other opportunity to sneak in. In either case, the only way to get into the house is to break in, like to sneak in while her back is turned. Um, and then, you know, you go in first floor, nothing seems to be going on or interesting. You go down in the basement and that's where it's clear that this guy has been locked up in the cupboard. Um, but the interaction, like when you play the song of healing, when the mask drops off and he has this sort of like befuddled look on his face, like what is even happening right now? <laughs> Then the girl charges in and she hugs him mm. and she's like, daddy. And there's even a sound effect to go along with it. And he's like, he's got his own sound effect. Like, oh, there um, <laughs> yeah, there's the clock. <laughs> um, but what I find so powerful is he's like, his first question to her is what was I doing? Mm -hmm. And her response is you weren't doing anything. Mm. And, like, it's so, it speaks to their relationship through that time so powerfully. The idea that, A, she is an incredibly competent young lady um, because she's the one who must have locked him in the cupboard. Like, she must have watched this transformation take over her own father and in order to preserve herself, lock him away. Yeah. Um, only to have you show up and save the day. But as soon as, like, as soon as you do this, as soon as they're in this embrace, as soon as she is taking the, the initiative and ensuring him, no, you didn't hurt me. No, you weren't, you were not in your right mind. You were not thinking clearly. Um, like, even if you go to try and talk to them to sort of suss out what's happened, your fairy will not, will tell you to stop. Oh, right. Like, 
she'll she'll say you need to leave right now like this is clearly an emotional moment you don't have any place here please leave um and then if you go back you can talk to them and they're still close-lipped and they don't want to talk about it um but Tadiel is very very sensitive to what's going on here um and i think like I think part of that ties back to the fact that she, at this point in the game, having, you know, played through it time after time after time, having confronted the Skull Kid time after time after time, and watched time after time after time as the Skull Kid smacks um, Tail, her brother, around, there's this sort of subtle current of abuse and sort of the recognition of how powerful that can be, how devastating that can be that makes Tadil really identify with this little girl. Um, like I could be reading into it a bit, but I don't think I am in this case. Um, because again, this is an incredibly powerful moment and it's Tadil who's, who speaks to you in this case. Like she does occasionally, but not very often. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I- Yeah. I, I definitely, yeah, hadn't thought about it in that way, but it does seem like a a really complex uh, sort of problem that's being posed there about like responsibility, right? Of course, parents to children, but then the children to parents too, and and even mm-hmm. when those those authority figures are not well, you know, and and not able to take care of them, um, that. Uh, there's a there's a little more detail I feel like um, lavished on this area this one you know um, house and particularly mm-hmm. down there in the basement there's there's little details um, like it looks like she's almost um, decorated his little room for him right um, yeah but up like there know. are pictures on the walls yeah. in, in the cupboard like yeah, yeah. very <laughs> touching I mean. It, again it's it has that quality of sort of silliness but like from the child's perspective that's like the kindest you know most moving gesture imaginable really mm-hmm. yeah awesome yeah awesome all right uh, i think we'll we'll probably get to revisit some of that at least if we can figure out more of what's going on with the undead and the not undead in kana mm-hmm. uh so for next time, we'll try to do at least through getting to the stone tower and, and hopefully even exploring that a bit uh, for yep. our next. Definitely uh, the castle, hopefully a good bit of the stone tower as well. And then we can review what we've discussed today. All right. This brings us towards the end then. I mean, there can't be that many more uh, three day periods that we need to, we need to uh, recur to here. Yep. Before we, yep. Before we tackle the end game. All right. Well, cool. Well, thanks again for for making some time for us and uh, uh, sharing all your insights on this uh, particular entry in the Zelda franchise. Um, My pleasure. Yeah. All right. Well, so hopefully we'll have our our fearless leader back with us next time. But uh, till then, uh, take it easy, Ben. Thanks again. See you, Wes. See you.